Hi friends, today we are talking about how to take one song or rhyme or activity and extend it across multiple lessons in lower elementary music. My name is Victoria Bowler and this is episode 62 of Elemental Conversations. This is a conversation from a colleague on Instagram, and they asked to talk about how to add variety and length when extending a song across multiple lessons for younger elementary. This is a very fun topic for me because the possibilities are wide open in terms of how we might iterate and reiterate experiences around a song. So let's talk about some core questions that can frame these decisions because um, the beauty about this topic is that we can all arrive at different correct answers depending on how we answer these questions. So we'll look at some strategies, some tools that we can use to extend a song after we've answered those core questions, and then we'll explore an example or two. So let's look at these elemental questions, these core questions that we are going to ask when we are extending a song. I mentioned that this topic is fun because it is so open-ended. There are many, many, many ways that we might choose to extend a song, and we can all come up with different pathways because we can all answer these core questions differently. The first one is, what am I using this song to teach? Why did I choose it in the first place? And then the second question is, how can students express this musical concept? So let's talk about this first one. What am I using this song to teach? What is the pedagogical focus? Why did we choose this song to begin with? When we talk about the answer to this question, I am going to be talking about it in terms of musical concepts, but something that we should address here right off the bat is sometimes we choose a song to use and its curricular purpose is just to have a fun time in music. Its curricular purpose might be just because of the beauty of the song or because of something that it points out about, um, you know, human nature or something about a child's lived experience or something like that. That reason all on its own can absolutely be the end goal of that song in our classrooms. So when we talk about a curricular purpose or a pedagogical purpose, just bear in mind um, that is one pathway of exploring some ways to extend a song. But if we choose just to sing a song and play a game in our classroom or just sing a song and make eye contact with the other musicians in the room, that is absolutely absolutely a valuable musical end all on its own. All right. So let's talk about musical concepts. I am using this term to mean a component or a pattern or a a building block of music, something small that we can extract in um, a very natural way from the repertoire that we choose. With younger elementary, musical concepts might be things like fast and slow, loud and quiet, steady beat, um, singing voice, long and short, rhythm versus beat, ta and toddy, things like that. Now, the concepts that we focus on will be dependent on the sequence that we are using. And there are certainly a lot of different musical sequences out there. And by the way, when I say a sequence, I am referring to a progression of musical understandings, a progression of concepts that moves from the known to the unknown. 
Like I said, there are a lot of sequences out there and I am not of the opinion that there is one set specific sequence for everyone. But when it comes to working with younger elementary, there are many viewpoints on music education and in the early concepts, you know, things like um, singing voice development and beat awareness, those concepts are pretty widely accepted across many different viewpoints of music education. So that makes it nice for these conversations. The question here is, what musical understanding does this song point to? This song that we want to extend for multiple lessons, what is the musical uh, main idea that we are using the song for? What musical element or core building block are we asking students to explore? This is a very important question for us to answer because it gives us a topic to center our activities around. So that first question is about a musical topic. The next question, how might students express this musical concept? This is about musical skills. Musical skills are like the doings of music. These are the musical actions that we are going to take to express a musical understanding, a musical idea. In elementary general music, those doings look like singing, playing, speaking, moving, reading, writing, improvising, arranging, composing, listening, um, orally identifying, all of those things. Something to talk about here as well, as we execute these musical skills, we are going to interact with ourselves and with other musicians. So part of the experience piece is also developing a set of dispositions that musicians need in order to do music well in community. In terms of dispositions, the national standards list collaboration, flexibility, goal setting, inquisitiveness, openness and respect for the ideas and work of others, responsible risk-taking, self-reflection, and self-discipline and perseverance. Depending on your situation, like I said, those are from the national standards, but you might be using um, the CASEL SEL framework with those five competencies, or you might have a set of state or district standards, uh, whatever it is, there is some, some way many of us are asked to address how students will interact with each other as they music and how they're going to interact with themselves as they music. So when we talk about musical skills, those dispositions or those competencies are absolutely a part of what students will experience in the classroom. Okay, we've talked about concepts, why we are using the song. We are talking, we have talked about skills, how students will express that concept in the classroom. Now let's talk about lesson planning tools, because when we have the answers to these first two core questions, when we have those answers down, the lesson extensions kind of write themselves. All we need to do is put students in a setting where they can explore many different skills that point back to the pedagogical purpose. So to do that, we are going to add a few tools to our toolkit to streamline this process uh, a bit more. The first one is long range planning and specifically song lists. 
Episode 23 of this podcast is long range planning for elementary music. And I will link that episode in the show notes because that goes into a little bit more detail of um, this particular approach to planning activities, starting from the big idea and then to the small uh, daily tasks. Instead of what we often do, which is start with those tiny tasks without a very clear idea of uh, what, what those activities will look like when we back up, when we zoom out. Because when we have a clear idea of where we are going with our curriculum, all the other decisions in the classroom become so much easier. So we can use long range planning to get an overview of how we might spend our time in our lessons. That's what we're talking about here, how we can take one song and extend it into multiple doings. So long range planning really helps because when we have a broad view of how we might spend our time, we see how each little activity is linked to the next activity and how that activity is linked to the activity after that. So when when we sing a song and we play the game, that musical experience is not isolated. We're doing it for a specific reason. The song and the game lead to the next activity and that activity leads to the next activity, right? And the whole process snowballs. And the great thing about that is when the lesson is over, when we're planning in this way and the lesson is over, we have basically already written the next lesson for the next week. We don't need to reinvent the wheel and come up with a brand new song or brand new game or brand new activity to teach because we're not starting from scratch. We just need to do the next artistic step with that same song or with that same concept. We're building on each experience. So that's the nice thing about long range planning. One specific document that can be helpful with this is a concepts and songs list. This is where we are going to take a list of concepts that we're going to teach, um, you know, steady beat, high and low, long and short, all of those things. And we're going to list out the specific songs that we will use to teach that concept. So I might have steady beat and then for something like steady beat, I might have eight songs that I'm using and all of those songs, all of the activities around those songs are all going to point back to this musical competency of steady beat. And that is important because the repertoire we choose is going to set the context for all of the other learning experiences that come later. So having a collection of fun songs <laughs> and musically satisfying songs, I should say materials, um, that is like having a full pantry of ingredients. So we always have what we need. Let's talk about the next tool. We talked about long range planning, but now let's talk about um, something that I really like to do. It's an activity map. So once we have our repertoire and once we know what concept we're going to teach, and once we have our list of musical skills, how do all of those come together in an actual lesson segment? One of the tools that we can think about is the learning progression of moving from the known to the unknown. So in my case, that is prepare, present, practice. But another tool that I really love to use, especially when I feel stuck, is an activity map. So with this map, this is like a one center bubble with a lot of other bubbles coming out of all of the sides. So I will take the concept and I put it at the top of the page and then I'll take whatever song I am using. And that goes in a big circle in the middle of the page. 
And then I'll offshoot some thought bubbles from that middle song bubble with the labels um, sing, play, move, read, write, improvise, arrange, compose, orally identify, all of those musical skills. So if I were to do that with the song Bell Horses for So and Me, I would put So and Me across the top of the page. That is the concept that I want all of these activities to point to. And then I will put bell horses in the middle because that's the song that I'm using. So I have bell horses and I have so and me. So now with all of those little offshoot bubbles, I'm going to keep sing, play, move, read, write, improvise, compose, arrange, orally identify, etc., etc. All of those bubbles coming out of that main idea of bell horses, that's going to help me brainstorm all of the different ways that we could, for example, move to so and me using bell horses, or that we could read and write so and me using bell horses. So I find this to be really helpful. So maybe we will sing the song and play the game. And I would put that under the bubble sing. And I could stop there. I can move on. But if I'm trying to come up with many different ideas, just as a, um, a creative exercise, so I can kind of jog my memory and kind of think outside the box, I would try to come up with several different ideas, uh, around a, one musical medium or one musical skill. So we can hang out here for a bit. I might say that we will, um, sing the first four beats on a neutral syllable. We could also sing it on high and low or on so and me, depending on where we are in the learning progression. Um, or maybe as a B section, I, the teacher, I can sing a so and me melody and students can echo that. Or maybe I ask someone, students can take turns singing the first four beats as a solo. All of those possibilities are just under the one bubble of sing. And I can do that same idea for multiple skill bubbles as well. So uh, we might pretend to be horses and show the high and low sounds of the first four beats while we're moving around the room like horses. So I'd put that under move. We can also play the first four beats on barred instruments, or we could improvise conversations. We could have singing improvisations about where we are going with our horses. And again, that would be on a so and me melody. So this activity map is going to be tied back to our long range plans. Again, episode 23 has more information on that because if our end assessment for the unit involves students composing or improvising or arranging or something along those lines, we're going to want to make sure that our activities are leading to that final creative invitation. So this activity map is useful for brainstorming, but we're also going to want to make sure that we have thought through the sequencing of which activities will come first and which ones are going to come later. Um, that way we are just giving students the appropriate musical invitation in the appropriate order because there's a, there's a consideration here as well for whatever learning sequence we are using to teach this concept in this case. So in me, so like I said, in my case, I am using prepare, present practice. So that framework is going to guide the order of these decisions about what activities I use and when. So I don't view this mind map as a replacement for unit planning, but I do use it as a helpful tool for unit planning because 
It can really get me out of a rut when all I can do is think about singing the song and playing the game, right? And maybe I don't want to just sing the song and play the game for six or seven weeks (laughs) at a time. So um, that is very helpful to me. And you can see that when you go through this exercise and you look at all of the different musical media and all of the different musical skills that we have access to in elementary general music, all of a sudden one small song can very easily take take up several different lessons, all with very different activities, right? So that brings me to an important point that might go without saying, but I'll say it anyway. When I refer to a lesson segment, I mean a short portion of the lesson, like two to seven minutes ish total. And this is because when we are working with young students in lower elementary, our lessons are going to be crammed full of many different activities, like, like 10, 11 songs or so. It depends on how long your classes are, but each musical interaction is going to be pretty short. And we touched on this, um, a little bit in the last episode, episode 61, uh, my students won't stop talking, but a reasonable length of time for me to stay focused, me, Victoria, as, as a grown adult, <laughs> that is much longer than I can expect from a six-year-old, right? So I have to remember to keep these musical interactions brief and go with students pacing, which is very short compared to my appropriate pacing for me. So the nice thing is because the length of these lesson segments is so short, that makes it really easy to extend a single song over several different lessons. So we've looked at one example with bell horses. Now let's look at a little bit more of a detailed example about how one song can live for multiple weeks, or in this case, how one rhyme can live for multiple weeks. And when I say multiple weeks, I mean like, like eight or nine weeks. (laughs) This could last a really, really long time. Again, just because we are using it in very short interactions, but all of those interactions have a lot of variety in them because we are going to, uh, deeper and deeper layers of understanding with this concept. Okay, this is Pito Pito Colorito, and it is from the first grade Ta and Toddy concept plan inside the planning binder. Now, before we even get to musical skills, we are going to want to introduce this rhyme. And introducing a song or a rhyme or a game, something like that, um, that could definitely be its own episode. But something something to think about here is uh, there are so many beautiful and artistic ways to introduce a song. So when in doubt, if you're not sure how to introduce a song, then just teaching by phrase, like rote uh, phrase by phrase is a really great method that is tried and true for a reason. But we can also think about infusing the context of the song into the introduction itself. So in this case, the rhyme is about a bird who is going somewhere. So we will use that translation of the text in the song introduction or in the rhyme introduction. So we will speak the rhyme. Students are going to pat a steady beat with us while we are speaking. Pito, pito, colorito. Donde vas tan tempranito? A la sera, verdadera, ping pong, fuera. Okay. This rhyme is about a bird. And the rhyme is asking, Donde vas tan tempranito? Where are you going so early? So where do you think the bird was going? 
Hmm, maybe the bird was driving to the beach. Let's try it. So we're going to speak again, or rather we are the teacher, we are speaking, and students are acting out of being a bird driving to the beach. Pito, pito, colorito, donde vas tan tempranito? A la sera verdadera, pim, pom, fuera. Donde vas tan tempranito? We will ask a student, where do you think the bird was going? And students will give an answer. Maybe they will say, um, the bird was riding a bicycle to the store. Or maybe it was taking a jet ski to get a sandwich. Or maybe it was um, skateboarding to see its grandmother. Whatever students say, we're going to go, you are absolutely correct. So we will repeat the rhyme with student ideas. And then we're going to repeat that question in Spanish between each round. Where do you think the bird was going so early in the morning? And then eventually you can see after all of these different iterations of all of the different um, places the bird could be going and how the bird might be getting there, we can ask students to speak the first half of the rhyme because number one, they've been hearing it in the rhyme itself, but then we are also asking them a piece of that rhyme, donde vas tan tempranito, where are you going so early in the morning? They've been hearing that as part of the question that we were asking in between each round of the song, right? So students have heard this a lot. So eventually they are going to speak the first half and we speak the second. And then eventually, um, maybe in that same interaction, or maybe we wait until the next class to review this and then add on the next step. Um, eventually we'll share the rhyme translation, which is um, translated a couple different ways depending on your source. Um, but to the true sidewalk or to the green sidewalk is often how this is translated. And then ping pong fuera is just um, text to support the game. Ping pong, you are out. So this is a counting out rhyme where students are passing us an object around the circle in a steady beat. And then the person on whom the last beat lands is out. So that would be the time that we can add the game. All right, so that's our rhyme introduction. Before we've done any um, any actual skill building in terms of musical skills, vocabulary, anything like that, and you can see I mentioned already that this introduction could take uh, two lessons, maybe even three lessons, depending on what age group you are working with and how much experience in your musical classroom they have had. All right. So now let's talk about musical skills. After we have introduced this rhyme, our skills are going to be speaking, playing, improvising, reading, and arranging. So speaking, we will speak the rhyme and play the game. The disposition I have under this activity is collaboration. This is a passing game and passing games take a lot of group coordination for sure. So that's the disposition that we have. My skill is speaking. And then this activity is pointing back to ta and toddy. And we can hang out here again. We can hang out here and just speak the rhyme and play the game. And that could be it. That would be enough. But if we've answered the questions from earlier, you remember those two core questions, then we have more possibilities to explore, especially if we've done that activity map as kind of um, a creative exercise. So let's look at the next game extension, which is playing.
We can speak the rhyme and play the game. And then when someone is out, they're going to choose if they will play the rhythm with rhythm sticks or on a hand drum and play the steady beat. So one side of the circle outside of the circle would be rhythm sticks. The other side is steady beat with a hand drum. If they were playing uh, the rhythm of the words, their part would sound like pito, pito. And if they're playing a hand drum, their part would sound like pito, pito, colorito. So some rhythm versus beat part work going on there. Under disposition, I have self-discipline here because being uh, chosen for an instrumental activity takes a lot of self-discipline, but ha- uh, perhaps equally um, challenging for a young musician is what to do when you don't get out and when you don't get a turn with an instrument, because that is really hard. That is a skill that all musicians have to practice. All musicians have been in a position where they wanted a specific musical part and they were not chosen for that part for whatever reason. Sometimes it's based on skill. Sometimes as in this case where it's a counting out rhyme, sometimes it's just based on luck, right? Whatever the reason that we were not chosen for that instrumental part, all musicians have to practice what to do when you don't get the part that you wanted. So it takes a lot of self-discipline to not be chosen. All musicians have to practice showing self-discipline there. Okay. Next, improvisation. Let's um, sit down and pat a steady beat while we are speaking the rhyme. Donde vas a pim pom fuera. And then as a B section, the teacher is going to clap a musical question and ask students where they are going. And in between rounds of the question, students are going to speak and clap their answers each time. So let me, (laughs) I know it's hard to explain. Um, Let me show you what that sounds like, and then we'll talk about it. So pim pom Where? I would clap. Where are you going? Students might say, I am going to the grocery store. I'll ask again, where are you going? I am going to my grandma's house. Where are you going? I am going to cheerleading practice. Where are you going? I am going to lunch right? Whatever it is. Um, I am going to a restaurant. I am going to the grocery store. I am going to outer space. I am going to Legoland, whatever it is. Something to say right here. Responses do not necessarily need to be one and two sounds on a beat. So a beat and a beat subdivision, or what we will eventually call ta and toddy or quarter notes and eighth notes. <laughs> Musicians have a lot of different names for these sounds, right? Um, student responses do not need to use ta and toddy. And you will also notice that I was asking students to use text in their improvisation. The only purpose here is to improvise within a, a specific time frame. And we, the teacher, this is a separate conversation about improvisation improvisation, but we, the teacher, we are setting that cadence by asking the question four times, where are you going? Something, 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 something. Where are you going? Right. 
So then after a while, after that first experience, we are going to narrow some options um, to what we have kind of front-loaded, pre-loaded onto the board. So on the board, written in text only, again, not in a standard Western notation, I have the phrases, I am going to the beach. I have, I am going to my school. I have, I am going to my classroom. And I am going back to sleep. So we'll go through all four of those responses. Now here, notice that I am using, I am going to the beach, right? Toddy, 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 ta. Even though these responses are not written in stick notation, in standard Western notation, the uh, rhythms as they will be derived are going to fit into that one or two sounds on a beat um, competency into that framework that we are working on. Again, because all of these examples, all of these activities are pointing back to the purpose of the activity, the purpose of the rhyme in this context, which is ta and toddy. Okay. So after we go through all of those possible correct answers, I am going to the beach, I'm going to my school, I'm going to my classroom, and I am going back to sleep. Then we'll do that same activity again, but students are going to choose their favorite response from the ones that we have written on the board. Does that make sense? So this is an improvisation activity. And because of that, we have a good amount of flexibility and a good amount of responsible risk taking. Both of those are dispositions from the, the arts standards. So how many responses can you come up with when I ask you, where are you going? How many, res how many responses can you come up with? Because remember, I'm asking you that question four different times right? How can you do that while keeping it within the same meter or within a, a metric structure? You only have those four steady beats. So some flexibility and responsible risk-taking there. Okay. That one, that activity is so fun. Oh my goodness gracious. That, especially if we are using like a four minute segment of class, that is an activity that can easily take up two lessons for sure. So we've done speaking after the introduction, we've done speaking, we've done playing, we've done improvising. Now let's do some reading. Let's jump ahead to after that presentation moment, when we are moving from, um, just text or just iconic notation to standard Western notation for one and two sounds on a beat. Let's sight read some different options on the board. Um, all of these, by the way, all of these uh, graphics are in that concept plan um, Google Slides set. So if you are inside the planning binder, you have access to these. And if not, you can just write them on the board, just um, you know, with a whiteboard marker um, on, on your board in class. So I have here four different options. And at the top of the page, it says, ¿Dónde vas tan tempranito? Where are you going so early? The first one is, Tari, 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 ta, tari, ta, tari, ta. The next line says, Tari, tari, ta, ta, tari, tari, ta, ta. The third line, Tari, 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 ta, tari, 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 ta. And then the last line is ta, 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 di, ta, di, ta, ta. All of this is written in stick notation, uh, not with any rhythm syllables, just to clarify that. Okay, so we have all of these options on the board. We are going to sight read all of these different lines. Again, four lines. Um, if we are in 4-4, four, four, then we have four lines and each of them are two measures long. 
So now, question for you, where is the bird hiding? Ooh, interesting. So the teacher is going to play a pattern on the board, play one of the lines on the board, and students will show which one it is. So if I play the third option, Students all around the room would be holding up three fingers and I have a little bird icon on my Google slides that I can move. And I would say, if you were showing me number three, you are absolutely correct. Our bird is hiding in the third rhythm. And we can go through that a couple different times with the bird hiding in a couple different rhythmic lines. And then I have a question for you. Which one is your favorite pattern? Is your favorite pattern number one, number two, number three, or number four? Show me on your fingers. And so students will choose which option on the board is their favorite. And then I will say, flap your arms like a bird when you hear me play your pattern. So if you are holding up uh, two fingers and I play, then you would be flapping your arms like a bird because I played your favorite pattern. Okay, so that is reading. Let's look at um, arranging. Oh, one quick thing here. Um, in terms of dispositions for this activity, I am very loosely calling this um, self-reflection because we have an element of um, asking students for their musical preference. So there's an element of self-awareness of which uh, musical pattern, which rhythmic line is uh, challenging for me and why, and does that make me like it or dislike it? Which musical line, which rhythmic line is very simple for me and does that make me like it or dislike it? There's some of those conversations that we can have there. Okay, let's look at arranging. Now I have some rhythmic building blocks with the places that the bird could be going. And again, this is in that slides presentation. So I have tempranito, I have playground, I have principal, and library. So many different places that this bird might be going. In groups of two, students are going to look at the board and choose a combination to clap. They will choose a combination of uh, four different cards, but they can use one card multiple times. So you might have principal, 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 right? If that's what they want to do, that's absolutely what they can do. Something to keep in mind, they are going to need to practice clapping their pattern four times in a row. Okay. So in groups of two, students are looking at the board and choosing a combination of four different cards to clap. For dispositions, uh, I have collaboration because students are doing this in combination, in collaboration with a partner. So if someone wants to do one card four times in a row and someone else wants to do four different cards, every single card is different, right? For the variety of it, then that's something that they're going to need to negotiate on their own, right? So for this set of activities, after the rhyme introduction, we had speaking, playing, improvising, reading, and arranging. So five different musical skills, but they all pointed back to ta and toddy. And then we used several dispositions along the way. We used self-discipline, we used uh, flexibility, we used responsible risk-taking, and we used collaboration. All of these activities pointed back to the curricular goal again. So do you see how these activities could take up multiple weeks, but it's not the same activity every time, right? 
All right. So again, that's in the ta and toddy concept plan for first grade inside the planning binder. Just to camp out here very quickly. Um, the other songs in that same concept plan are bounce high, bounce low engine, engine number nine, Hey, Betty Martin, Los Poitos Dicen, Pito Pito Colorito that we just talked about, and then William, he had seven sons. So it's not um, just Pito Pito Colorito that's kind of doing all of the heavy lifting for Ta and Toddy. There are several other selections in there. I will also add here, um, I'm going to put the notation of Pito Pito in the show notes or in the blog post that goes along with these show notes. So if you click on that link in your show notes description, then that will take you to victoriabowler.com and that will have um, the notation for Pito Pito along with all of the sources that I used for that rhyme. Okay. When we talk about transitions, wrapping up here, let's look at pacing across several different lessons, because this is important. When we talk about transitions, we are often talking about transitions that happen within a single lesson, like moving from a singing game to instruments. But we also might be referring to transitions that happen in between um, the actual lessons themselves, the full (laughs) lessons from week to week. Episode 47 of this podcast is called retention, uh, concept retention across several lessons. And that goes into some of these transition considerations a little bit more. Because when we ask students to hang on to information across several different lessons, we're going to need to do some sort of review before we jump into an extension, right? We need to set the context first before we just jump into a sight reading activity, for example. So I envision this as like a looping circle line that circles back and then circles forward and then circles back a little bit to circle forward a little bit. Um, So in general, just in terms of practical application, it's a really nice idea to refresh everyone's memory of the rhyme or of the song by playing the game first. Many of these games, even if they're simple, like even if they feel simple to us, they're going to take a while for students to get the hang of, especially if we want them to be able to sing the song and play the game without our help, which we probably do. So it's going to take a few iterations of exposure and that's okay. So we're going to review the last class by speaking the rhyme and playing the game, most likely, not in every case, but most likely. And then we will take in that data to see if that new extension that we had planned is going to work out, or if we need to spend another class singing the song and playing the game. We're all good either way, right? It doesn't matter which one necessarily. (laughs) Of course, we want to be moving students ahead, but it's not a big deal if we need to take an extra week and review the game. We just need to know where we are. One last thing to touch on um, when we talk about extending a song over several lessons, I know that something we do not want is for students to be bored with the song. So I want to address that before we head out. Will students get bored with this song if we are using it over and over and over across, you know, three or four or six or seven weeks or so? Sometimes students are bored with the song, but sometimes I think we might be projecting because we ourselves are so tired of the song. I think that is something that um, at times can be a little bit more likely than students being bored. So what can we do about song burnout? Because this is real. Uh, The first one is just the first thing that we can do is just choose songs that we love. So if a song strikes us as cheesy or contrived, then there is probably a good reason for that. 
And, you know, especially if we have kindergarten, like every day of the week, we are going to end up singing these songs over and over and over and over and over. Yes. So we need to choose songs that we are happy to spend a good amount of time with. There are so many beautiful repertoire selections to choose from. So if we don't care for a particular song, that's fine. We can move on. We can find a different one. The next thing we can do is keep musical interactions brief. And we've already talked about that, but early childhood activities are short. And that's a good thing for us because spending four minutes a day with a song is much more enjoyable than spending 40 minutes a day with a song. Yes. And then the very last thing is change up the activities. That's what we're doing here. So circle back and review, and then we're going to change the activity that we do with the song so that it is fresh for students and it is fresh for us. Okay, today we have looked at a lot of things. We have talked about some core questions to ask when we are extending a song across multiple lessons. Why did we choose the song in the first place? That's the first question. And how do we want students to express their musical understanding? And we looked at a few tools for setting up the activities, like leaning into long-range planning and creating an activity map. And then we looked at some examples of one single song reiterated over several weeks with different activities each time. And we talked about transitioning between lessons by reviewing before we extend. <music>